Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Haley Smalls over Zoom video. Haley was born and raised in Toronto, Canada, and she talks about how she got into music, started singing at a very, very early age. She had very supportive parents who put her in vocal lessons. She ended up making it into the studio at 10 years old, I believe. The first thing she recorded was um, a version of O Canada and the U.S. National Anthem, which landed her a gig, I think at 11, singing at the Toronto Blue Jays Stadium. She got to sing both the uh, U.S. National Anthem and O Canada. From there, she worked with numerous uh, different managers and producers. She kind of got herself in some some bad deals with uh, management and contracts at a young age. She finally got all out of that around 18. She met her producer that she still works with to this day around 2014. Prior to meeting this producer, she had been doing cover songs and putting stuff up on YouTube, and she had a bit of a following there. But when she met this producer is when she started to release her own music and made a name for herself as Haley Smalls. We talk about a viral moment she had on Facebook and all about her brand new song called Do Something. You can watch the interview with Haley Smalls on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you have a second and you're listening to this either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, it'd be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Haley Smalls. This is about you and your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. And we'll talk about the new music you've been putting out. Nice. Dope. Cool. Cool. Um, first off, talk to me about where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. So yeah, I grew up here all my life, lived here all my life. Oh, you're Not still in Toronto? Day, yeah, I'm still here. Right on. What's it like growing up there? Oh, it was really dope. But, you know, I, I, I love the city. And I think as I've gotten older and traveled outside of the city, I've um, grown a more, more and more of an appreciation for it. And just the different mixture of cultures and we've got great food here. And, you know, it's, it's really nice. They keep it clean. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a really nice um, culture, culturally diverse place to live. Yeah, it's big music, too. There's a lot of a lot of bands out of Toronto. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a growing music scene. Um, you know, unfortunately, we don't have that many platforms to showcase it here. But um, I think that, you know, in the next in the next decade, hopefully that will build over time. Yeah. Well, I mean, Canada has an amazing uh, thing f- through the government, right, for uh, for artists like they'll help kind of sponsor yeah. you, so to speak. Right. They'll, they'll help kind of set up that, which I think is amazing. And I was I've talked to a lot of people. I've talked to people from from Toronto or bands out of Toronto. It's interesting because they're like, yeah, because they want to like, you know, try to compete with the U.S. And I'm like looking at the charts. I'm like, huh, like ha- like all the best, biggest artists of, right now, at least are all a lot of them are from out of Canada. It's crazy. You have Drake and, you know, Bieber right. and The Weeknd, like like so yeah. much talent coming out of Canada. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, it's 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 crazy how, um, you know, we've been able to make a lot of noise despite 
you know, like I said, lack of platforms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it, at the same time, you know, it, it unfortunately still to this day, a lot of artists have to go outside of Canada to get the, you know, the attention first, and then mm-hmm. they get the support from the country. And even the, um, you know, the system that they have that's supposed to support a lot of bands, it does, but it is kind of limited to a certain demographic. Of, oh, is it? Uh, of artists yeah and you know it's not something that it's not something that anybody likes to talk about but it's real (laughs) but it's obvious (laughs) yeah a lot of the urban acts a lot of the urban acts really don't get the same kind of support so it's really limited to you know a lot of folk acts and you know still like the more of the alternative and rock uh type bands Mm -hmm. they're just they haven't really um they haven't really moved with the way that the culture has been growing like they're not they're not growing with it unfortunately Mm -hmm. so um myself included and a lot of artists that i know um have tried so hard to get you know to get help and have been continually denied despite there being you know artists in other demographics or other types of genres of music that don't even have the same kind of accolades like i've tried to get grants many many times and been rejected over and over really yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I would imagine like, yeah, because I've talked to people that are like, yeah, it's amazing. Like you just apply for these grants and then they'll help you, right. you know, fund a record. But then it's like, well, how many people are actually applying for these grants? I would think they only select a certain amount. And it sounds like like you're saying that it's not <laughs> it's not as easy as it may make it sound like it is. Yeah, it's easy for it's easy for certain for certain genres, definitely mm-hmm. for them. Like I do know, um, I do know a lot of people have been successful in getting it, but if you kind of look at the different, the different genres that are successful and unsuccessful, you can see a pattern. Ah, okay. I see. I see. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, um, but I mean, you're here and you're doing awesome. So, so who cares about the grant? <laughs> right. Sure there's other help, ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, that's awesome. So talk to me about how you got into music originally. Um, well, for me, you know, I, I was singing since I was like really, really young, like since I could before I can remember. So my parents were aware of me like singing as like a very, very young child. Um, and so, you know, I guess it was just something that I like to do as like a pastime when I was young, you know, the same way that other children like to play with toys and stuff. And so. Oh, so you're always uh, singing then. Yeah, it was like I, I, you know, people say, like, when did you decide to do music? And I, I feel like I, I didn't ever have like a moment where I was like, I want to do this. I feel like I was kind of like born into it and always wanted to do it since I was a child. Even before I knew what being a singer even really was, um, I just loved singing to music. And so I think over time, my parents kind of started to recognize that I could sing and, you know, and that I had somewhat of a gift in it very young. And so, you know, they just supported me in, you know, helping me, find different opportunities to be able to do that, whether it be at school or whether it be with different, you know, I started working with different producers and stuff like that. I got in the studio very early, like around 11, 12 years old. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool that your parents were that supportive of it. Cause a lot of parents would be like, yeah, okay, we'll throw you in singing lessons, but then we're going to have you tried 50 million other things before, you know, right. you land on something. But the fact that they took that right away and, and embraced it, I think that's so cool. Yeah, it was really, um, it was definitely a blessing. I was fortunate because, yeah, I do know a lot of people who struggled with, um, you know, with getting support at a young age. And so, you know, they had a lot of different hurdles to jump over just to get support in other places. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so did you, 
Did you start with, you said you were obviously singing. Were you in um, like the chorus or choir? Or did you do like vocal lessons? Like, I mean, to be in the studio at 11, like what was the journey to, to 11 to getting inside of a, an actual studio? So I started singing at, um, I started singing at like school assemblies. I would like, you know, do at first, I think I had like a solo in the choir. And then um, when the music teacher recognized that, you know, I could sing, then she was like, okay, you can do like, you know, if you want to sing a song for the assembly or for the talent show, then I would start doing that. Um, I did sing for um, a Boston Blue Jays game, which was- Wow. Well, yeah, that was when I was, um, I think it was like eight or nine at the time. Really? Um, did you do yeah. like the national anthem or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the uh, U.S. and Can Canadian national anthems. Wow. By yourself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So that was like a big moment for me back then. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, still, yeah that's still a big moment, right? I mean, to be able to go out there and do that, was it something that you, I'm sure you had a what, audition for that? Um, I think, you know, like I said, like my parents were like always like networking for me. Like so, you know, they were like always like talking to people and like, you know, my daughter can sing and um, I don't know, like, you know, things just were aligning and, you know, I was, they were, I think they had some sort of connection with a producer that had a connection with um, the musical director that was handling whoever sang the, the national anthem. Sure. Yeah, so I recorded a, a version of it at a studio and then they sent it in. And so they said, yeah, like, you know, bring her and have her sing the um, the national anthem. So, yeah. Wow. I will say that Canada has the the the, the superior national anthem. They're, the, the O Canada is like the far, far the best national anthem, I think, if you were really? ranking national. Anthem. I think it's a cool. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, we grew up with it, right? So I think we're like immune to even like, yeah, I, hear them like <laughs> I can get down to this song. <laughs> yeah, That's funny. Like, yeah, I was, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a grand national anthem. Um, so you recorded that at eight and then did that or were you at 11 when you did the national anthem? I think I was about, I could have been 10. It was like in between the ages of eight and 10 years old. Okay. Um, I still have pictures and some videos from that. From that That's time. awesome. Yeah. So I recorded it and then they sent it in and, uh, and yeah, and I, and I did that. And then I started again through just like my parents networking. I ended up uh, meeting a producer in Toronto. And um, that was the first time I, I really started actually getting in the studio and um, I started writing original music. So, really? Um, that early on? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I recorded like my first song was called So Happy and it was, <laughs> I still have that recording. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was just, you know, that was like where it started. And then it kind of just continued in that in that wave um, of me just working with different producers. I, when I was about 13, 14, I signed with a management um, company that was based in the US and um, these producers that were actually based in um, London mm -hmm. and like Europe, they were coming to Toronto to work with me um, on like a yearly basis. And so we were just like, I was in the studio um, with writers and recording and the whole thing. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a long experience. Uh, I, I had a lot of experiences being in not so good contracts. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, it was, it was a, a learning experience and I learned a lot, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't conducive to achieving what I was trying to achieve. 
very young, which was, I was, you know, I was trying to become a professional recording artist and, you know, and, and, and be, and be known worldwide. But Mm -hmm. the the contracts that I was trapping myself in those times and the people that I was working with, um, you know, I, I'm sure they had for the most part, good intentions, but it just wasn't, it wasn't working. Um, And I didn't know who I was. I was really young. um, And I think a lot of like young artists, especially female young artists, they struggle with um, finding who they are and finding their sound. And and when you're that young, it's really hard to know too, right? So you have a lot of people that are trying to put a sound on you and um, there's no identity. And so Mm -hmm. it can be very, it can be very tough. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard for anybody, no matter what age it is, if you're trying to do this to like really find your sound, right? Or I I come from radio. I was on the radio for a long time and before doing this, but like, and that was the thing, like people at, like when I got into it, people would always say like, you just be yourself, just be you. And it's like, and that was the hardest thing ever. Like, how do I be me? Like, I don't understand. Like I'm trying to, cause you're just trying to either mimic what other people are doing or kind of where it's like, well, you are the best you like that person is doing the best of them. You're not going to be able to overdo with them. You can't be more them than yeah they are, whatever, exactly. uh, which I think is interesting. And it's a little more so, especially if you're young and you have right. these people that are professionals in the industry, probably telling you like, Oh, you know what, Haley, this is the sound you need. You need to sound like this. So we're going to write a song that sounds like this. And then that's going to yeah. be your sound. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that's exactly what I was going through. And, and you know, um, I remember at the time I really wanted to do R&B, but the um, the producers and the management company that I was working with at the time, they wanted me to go more in like a, like a pop, kind of almost mm-hmm. like dance pop route. And that just wasn't what I was feeling at the time. And so that was a struggle. And, um, and you know, it's, it's funny because I, I was, you know, they were trying to get me a deal. And that was, I think, right on the brink when the music industry just started changing completely because streaming was starting to, well, no, streaming hadn't started, but it was the downloading, like you remember LimeWire and Napster. Oh, sure. Uh, okay. Like started mm-hmm. coming in. And so like, uh, you know, record sales were like plummeting because nobody wanted to buy albums anymore and we wanted to buy music anymore because they could just download it for free. And so right. a lot of execs got fired and um, that was right around the time when they were trying to get me a deal. And we had spent like, you know, about a year or two in the studio recording all this music in hopes of them getting me signed. And, you know, and so that was just like a, that was like a moment where everything just went into pause. And then I was stuck in limbo in this contract and nothing was happening. And um, it was like a six year contract uh, that I was locked oh, into. Wow. Yeah, it was it was crazy, and you know, and it it, it wasn't until so I I got into that contract about at about I think fourteen, and it wasn't until I was eighteen that I actually finally spoke to a lawyer who looked at my contract and realized that it wasn't a legal contract. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Well, that's wow. Okay, so you did four more years of this when you should when you could have probably been out of it, right? Yeah, I definitely could have. I definitely could have. They didn't take the right, um, they didn't take the right legal steps in order to be able to sign an artist of my age at the time. I was a minor. Oh, uh, sure. To be able to sign me for that many years. They would have had to do certain things that they didn't do uh, mm-hmm. legally, which made the contract void. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure that's hard, especially for your, your parents trying to be supportive of you. And then they, I don't, I don't, do they come from uh, the musical background at all or industry background? Yeah. No, they don't. Um, they were just, 
you know, they, I think, I don't know. I just, somehow I came into this life with very supportive parents yeah. at a young age for music, but you know, the, the double-edged sword with that is that sometimes when you have parents who are very supportive, they can always, they can also be very heavy handedly involved. And mm. so what happens is as you get older and you start to realize certain things about yourself and certain decisions that you want to make, it becomes a conflict because your parents are so involved in your career and all the decisions that you're making, but you start to learn things about the music industry and you know, how things work, especially after me being in, that wasn't the only bad contract that was in. So me being in multiple bad contracts, being locked and stuck constantly, I started to realize when I, you know, got older, I was like, this is not the way to go. And I started, you know, meeting people like my producer that I work with now, who was starting to educate me on how to, you know, move in the music industry and still keep my, you know, my identity, still be able to understand, um, you know, that I don't have to just jump into a contract. I can actually build myself, especially in this climate, right? Because mm -hmm independent artists have so much power now. I mean, we can just upload our music. We can literally just distribute our music. There's TuneCore, there's DistroKid, there's all these distribution companies. And, um, you know, the ability to create music and put it out and even market it yourself is there. And so when I started getting educated on that, I started to kind of feel like I needed to take a whole different um, direction in music. And because, you know, that wasn't 100% understood on that side, mm -hmm. it created a lot of conflict. And so I had to make a decision to kind of sever myself from that and move on, you know, to making decisions myself that mm -hmm. were good for me. Sure. I mean, yeah. the, the, just think of how much the industry has changed within the past like year and a half. I mean, once everyone's inside, it's like, okay, well, there's to not touring isn't as, is, you know, prevalent anymore. And there's song, then like everyone's at home on TikTok, and then that becomes like this thing where you could yeah. basically go viral and have a song start charting off of a sound that somebody ends up, you know, repeatedly using. Yeah. And it's it's just crazy to think that nowadays. I love where you said where you can really make it as an independent artist. I mean, you could spend a few hundred bucks on a microphone and uh, you know buy a loop off YouTube or something, and you could write a song and put it out without spending a hundred grand to rent a studio out and hire these people to yeah. put it together for you. Yeah. And you'll hear these stories about kids that will just make songs and throw them up on SoundCloud or whatever. It'll find its way yeah. onto TikTok and they'll get this huge fan base. And then the major labels are like, oh, hey, I see that right. you have a million listens on this song. Right. What do you got going on? Like, and at this point you can kind of be like, well, let me weigh my options here. Instead exactly. of feeling and like I, I obligated to sign or whatever. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's true. It's so true. It's, 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 that puts the power in the artist's hands. And mm -hmm. before it was kind of like, you know, you get signed to these labels and they call all the shots. Um, they own all your masters, they own all your rights to your music, you know, so you're basically almost like a slave for them. You don't, you don't, mm -hmm. you know, you, you get the fame, right. But you know, this is why there's so much history of so many artists getting screwed over by labels. And you know, it, that's just the business. I mean, if you don't know the business, you're going to get screwed. It doesn't matter what business it is. And, and the music right. industry is no different than that. Right. So I think that now more than ever, we actually have the ability to understand our industry and to be able to build something at least so that when you do, you know, start having conversations with labels, you have a, um, 
you have groundwork and so you mm-hmm. have leverage and you can negotiate. Right. you can really say like you know these are these are the things that are important to me and if i don't get those i'm not signing and the thing is is that when you're able to make a living off of your music you don't have to be desperate to sign a deal as much as you might want to be you know the next big superstar you don't have to feel like okay this is my only chance keep building mm-hmm. your fan base and these labels will come back you know because they they don't want to miss out on the next you know, the next big viral artist or the next artist that has the big fan base, right? So sometimes they'll they'll back down if it's not what, you know, if, if you're asking for things that they're not ready to give. But if you keep building yourself, then, you know, it, the inevitable is, is bound to happen, so. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's gotta be thousands upon thousands of stories of bands that are massive now that got turned down or they're like, you know, a bunch of X label or A&R person was like, oh, you guys don't have it. And then sure enough, they're, you know, selling Grammys or, you know, whatever, touring the world, which is so it's so it's all all, I've I've heard a lot of people say it just takes one. Yes. And it depends on who that person is and if they want to support you or if you have the song, like it's going to happen. I mean, it's it's just wild, especially nowadays. Like you said, the leverage is in your hands now. If you can build that community yourself then it's, well, what, instead of what can you do for me? It's like, or I mean, what, yeah, what can I do f- for you? You, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I myself here. Wait a minute. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, you, they'll come to you and say, hey, and you're like, yeah, well, I've already done all this by myself. So how are you going to help that? How are you right. going to leverage me? Bring it to the table. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's so fascinating that you've been doing this for so long. I mean, it's unfortunate to hear about the the struggles with, obviously the record contracts and all of that. But it's like, I was going to try to say about like your parents, like they aren't in the industry. So they're probably like, oh, well, helping her sign this deal. Like, because in my mind, if I didn't know anything about it, I'd be like, okay, record deal means success and something happening, right? It's like, well, I don't know how to do this, but these people obviously do. So if I give, you know, my daughter the ability to do this, then hopefully it will, it will work out. But it, I mean, it doesn't obviously always <laughs> yeah. go that smoothly, smoothly. So, right. yeah, exactly. Well, well, okay. So you're obviously in these bad deals. So what happens? Like, how do you break out of that? And how do you decide? Like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this pop route. I want to do the R and B route. I want to. I'm gonna be. This is like me and my project. And how do you start over? Well, um, after I got out of that first contract, I, I I worked with a couple different people, and you know, I, I, again, it was kind of like a a repeat of not not necessarily a, a genre issue at that point, but it was oh, okay. just kind of like um, it was more so now whether it's the right people to work with, you know. And again, I think that the blame doesn't really fall on anybody. It's more so just that I was really struggling to know who I was and how to maneuver in the in the music industry because I I just didn't know, you know. So, um, you know, I, I I definitely I made a lot of moves that were not beneficial for 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 a while like over and over and over again trying to get it right and then it wasn't until you know i i met my producer in 2014 Mm -hmm. and you know we just had some conversations because at that time um there was actually a deal that i had on the table and it was a crappy deal um you know and there were people that were around me in my circle that were pushing me to sign. And I, I didn't feel like I should because I felt like it was just going to go into the same exact pattern. Um, and at that point, there was a lot of things that had happened that were just starting to make me feel like 
I don't know. Is the music industry what I thought it was? Because I was just experiencing a lot of really dark things, you know, like I, I had met a lot of people in the music industry that had done big things and, you know, produced records of like my favorite artists and wrote songs for some of my favorite artists. And, you know, as a young artist and being naive because you're young and you've never been in this, you know, this, this environment before, you're like all excited to be working with these people. But then you start seeing that it's not about the music. It's about, you know, I mean, every every man in the industry wants to sleep with every girl they sign, you know, it, um, you know, it's not about the music anymore. It's about the look like, you know, yeah. are you, are you going to drink with us? Are you going to smoke with us in the, in the, in the club? Like, it's not, it's not about the music, you know? And I started to realize that nobody cares about the music, at least where I was and the circle that I was around at that time. And it was starting to really make me feel down. And I felt like I couldn't be myself. And I felt like, you know, these are not, this is not what I dreamt of as a child. Like when I pictured myself being an artist, this doesn't resemble that at all. And so it was starting to really actually make me feel like, I don't know if what I envisioned even exists. And so I was in this, like, in this, just this mode of just like, like not, like just feeling very discouraged. And so when I met my producer in 2014, we started having, um, we started having conversations and he was kind of like just showing me that there's another there's another route. You don't have to take that route. And so, you know, that's how we started getting into the conversation of like, let's just start working. Let's um, let's start experimenting, you know, and, and he's like really good and uh, at seeing an artist and, you know, speaking to them. And he kind of knows how to pick up on the, the energy and the aura of that artist and, and bring it out in the music. So instead of the approach that a lot of music execs take is when they see you, they go, oh, we should make her sound like this and look right. like this. We'll put you in this box over here. Right, exactly. Instead, he's going from a, an approach of like, what do you like? Who are you? Let's bring that out in the music. Let's bring that out in your image. Like, let's, let's figure out who you are and what you like. And like enhance that. And that was the first time I ever really had somebody approach my music and even just me like in that way, you mm -hmm. know? So it was, it was eye opening, And, um, you know, I just really took my time and I started doing a lot of writing. It was uh, actually a writing group that I was writing with at the time. And so we were just, we were just writing to write whether the songs became placements, whether the songs were mine, we were just writing to write. And that was a really great experience because it helped to, kind of refine my writing skills. Um, I think anytime you're in a constructively competitive environment like that, it does kind of elevate you. Um, and so there was that. And then I started releasing original music. Before that, I had a YouTube channel that I was doing a lot of covers on. And so I did kind of build up a fan base off of okay. that, mm -hmm. but that was covers, you know? So there was no real identity to that until I started releasing my original music. What was it like putting out music of your own for the first time? Were you nervous about that? I mean, especially if you have a fan base, right? If you have a fan base on YouTube and now you're like, okay, I'm going to put out something of my own. Like, right. are you yeah. going to like it? Like, was it scary for you? I, for me, I don't think, I don't think I approached it with fear. I think it was okay. more so, um, I was curious to see how it would be received, you know? Mm -hmm. so, um, but the thing is, and this is, this is still exists to this day on every platform is that whatever fan base you, you built is based on the content that you were putting out. And so with me putting out covers, I built a fan base that knew me for putting out covers. Mm -hmm. 
Now, starting to put out original music is not the same, especially because for one, at the time, a lot of people were putting out covers, but the trick to doing that was to do a popular song, right? So right. if a song so came out, mm-hmm. right, yeah, everybody's searching for it. So the chances are they're going to see your cover because they're searching for the new Beyonce song or they're searching for the new whatever song, you know what I mean? And so when you put out your original music, now it's it's not that you don't have that, right? So you're not getting the same visibility. And also there were a lot of, you know, the fans that I accumulated off of the covers that were like, well, this is nice, but I'm used to her doing covers. And so it's not the same, it's not the same fan base. So I kind of had to not start from scratch, but it was a, it was a, a whole different beast sure. in now accumulating a, a, a new fan base or building upon a fan base that was a, a completely different thing because now it's, it's just me. It's not mm-hmm. the new Beyonce song done differently. It's, Haley Smalls, right? Right, Which right. You guys don't really know who that is other than a girl who can sing covers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. So, so now you got to, yeah, either keep the people, you kind of run into a, a, a fork in the road where it's like, do I keep an, uh, appeasing these people with my cover songs, but, yeah. or do I just go full on all original music and kind of see how that uh, that plans out? And obviously you made the right decision. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The music, yeah. Original music. Um, yeah. But was that first record, This Is Me, was that the first one you worked on with your producer now? Um, no, the first record I actually put out that was original was a song called When You Need Love. So it was just a single. Uh, okay. Uh, that, and and it, it was received really well. And then um, I think I put out like a few, maybe one or two other singles before I put out This Is Me. Um, and then that was my first, uh, first actual body of work that I put out. And that mm-hmm. was with the same producer. So it was entirely produced by him. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, that was the start of, of everything. And then from then I just continued to release original music and, and my fan base grew. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. What would you say, like after putting out the full record, were you, um, performing live a lot at this point or mainly just putting songs out on online? I was, um, I was mainly just putting songs out online. I was in the studio a lot. I was writing, mm-hmm. I did do like a few performances, but nothing major. The performance scene like is not really, it's not the same as in like New York or in LA, in, in mm-hmm. Toronto, you know, like there are a lot of venues, don't get me wrong. Um, but I personally don't find that performing at those venues, cause I did it a lot before, before I started uh, um, releasing original music, I did perform at a lot of venues. I was doing that a lot uh, back then. But it doesn't, we don't, like I said, we don't really have a local music scene on the street. Like we don't have that thing where, you know, you, you perform at a show and you have like, you know, a bunch of people in the, in the audience that could help you. It's just not really like that. It's just more so like, okay, you sang at this thing and then, you know, it might be good for social media and, um, you know, it creates a certain level of awareness with the people that are there, but I found that using the various platforms was a lot more helpful in building um, awareness of who I was and, and building a fan base than, than it was in performing, at mm-hmm. least in Toronto, I would say. Sure. That make, I mean, it makes sense. You have a worldwide audience, right? right. right. At your fingertips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Which is bizarre to think. I mean, but it's the truth. Um, with that, like, what would you say... After you, you know, you score, you have this producer now, you're working with him, you're writing songs. 
you're putting out original music. What would you say like the next big milestone for you in your career would be? Um, after that point, you mean like back then? Still? Yeah. Or even up to, yeah, where, wherever. I mean, well, t- I want to talk to you about the new record, but we'll, like right. say up until COVID happened. Right. From right. 2019 back, what would you say like a big milestone moment was for you? Um, I think the the big milestone moment was really when my music started to gain traction. Like it started, I started to really see my fan base grow. Um, so we were just, we were just, you know, trying different things and releasing different, different songs and trying different strategies online to just increase the scope of awareness. And, um, and, you know, and, and, and there was a point where I think it was my song type away and that mm-hmm. song hit like a hundred thousand uh views on facebook at the time wow that was big for me you know like that's at the time, huge. i was like i was like holy shit like you know i never seen numbers like this like i was right seeing things like i mean i i had seen numbers like that but for my covers you know before um but for my original music that was like that was huge Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just circulating everywhere. And so from then it was just a constant build. So, and we were putting out a lot of music at that time. So um, it was just constantly building and I, I was seeing, you know, my, my subscribers grow exponentially. And so um, with that obviously came a lot of calls, a lot of, you know, people contacting and stuff like that. But I, I just, you know, both me and my producer were in agreement that it just wasn't time to sign any deals. And, you know, I just really wanted to keep, growing everything because I knew what I wanted it's at that point I really knew what I wanted in a partnership whether it would mm-hmm. it be with an investor or a label you know or any type of partner that could bring something to the table I knew what I wanted and I wanted to make sure that you know I I could fairly request make those requests so you know I we I just continued to, to do that and those were really I think that was really the mile, milestone up until covid um and then you know just coming up to now um i i do actually have partnerships uh, that are amazing and it's the first time i actually really have support other than being an independent artist because up until now i've funded everything you know myself just wow literally just me and my producer so all the music videos are independently funded all the the everything that i've done um, has literally just been independent. So I've had no help whatsoever. And it's not uh, cheap to do that. No, it's not. It's, it's really, so not. that's really impressive. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it, you know, I, I really, I really want for independent artists and I know the awareness is growing naturally, but I really want for independent artists to understand. And I try to talk to whenever I run into other artists, I try to talk to them about this. If I, if I can tell that they're not there yet in their understanding that this music thing is not about releasing a song and just hoping and praying that it goes viral. You know, it's, it's no different than any other business. If you were to open a restaurant or you were to have a shoe brand, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to have a product and then you're going to invest your money into that business, right? Because you don't start a business without being able to invest something, right? You need mm-hmm. to be able to invest your money in it. You make that investment and that involves usually losing money. But then if you can put the marketing strategies behind that to make sure people know that there's a product, right? Like people know that your restaurant's there or people know that your clothing shop is there. You have to do marketing strategies, whether it be putting up a, a, a billboard or putting something online or whatever it is. Um, and eventually you break even, and then eventually you make a profit and music is no different. It's, it's the same thing. So you can make a living 
off of your music. And then if you can start now once you make a profit, putting that that money that you're making off of your music back into your music, then all it does is just grow, you know, just like any other business. And so um, I think that that's why a lot of artists have a hard time getting support sometimes from their parents or from like family members is because they look at it as some sort of pipe dream that is just like a one in a million like lottery ticket. Like, you know, you want to be a singer, you want to be an artist, you want to be a rapper. That's like some sort of like pipe dream that is most likely not going to happen. But it's really just not the case. It's just that people just don't have the understanding that music is a business just like any other. Business. So if you can be an entrepreneur in any other business and you can be successful in music, too, you just have to have a good product investment and marketing. And that's it. I love that. I love that because it's totally true. You, yeah. you have to, nobody, and, and I tell this to my kid, I have two young boys, younger boys, yeah. and the older ones, like, obviously he's way into like YouTube and yeah. the, how these kids have like these insane numbers of like X million subscribers. And I'm right. like, and he's like, and, he, and I'm like, you have to understand that this person did not just wake up one day, make a video and put it on the internet. And then millions of people thought it was amazing. Yeah. And they came to him and subscribed. And then he just goes, oh, well, the next one should be a hit too. It's not like that. It's this, no. these people are, are grinding so hard on a daily basis, like full time. This is all they're doing yeah. and they're creating content. And the reason why there's succeeds is because they're not copying what other, other people are trying to do. So like you have the one okay. thing and then. You, you can't just do what that guy did again. It's the same thing. You're going to get lost in the, in the noise, in the noise. And, and the, that's one thing about the internet is it's completely saturated. <laughs> yeah. you know? So you have to find your, and it, it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning is that, you know, you can't be somebody better than they can be themselves. Right. So like the key is be who you are because nobody can be a hundred percent. You, you might have some people that are similar to you, you know what I mean? But they're not you. So mm -hmm. everybody can bring something different to the table. So I think that's the, I think authenticity is the key. You know, it's one of the big keys. And then the other key is just consistent consistency and, and understanding the industry that you're in. And I think if you have those three things, like failure is really not an option. It really isn't. I think that all the people who failed quit before they had all the keys to success. I love that. I love that. I want to, I'm going to circle back to this because the last question I ask is always about advice to aspiring artists and you're giving so much amazing advice right now. Uh, but I really want to talk to you about your, <laughs> your new songs, but um, yeah, I just, I, that's such great advice. I think too, though, a lot of people, and this is just me spouting is like, it's not like, like people are like, okay, well, if you go to college and then you get a degree in this, and then you go get a job at this, then you're going to have like this financial security in the sense that you're going to have job security. Whereas if you, but that goes for any entrepreneur, if you're going to start a restaurant, right. you could be the best cook in the world, but if you don't know how to market it, nobody's going to come into your restaurant. And then the guy next door who makes half as good of a, you know, pizza as you has all this marketing and all the bells and whistles, people are going to go over there. Yeah. Then you're going to have so to try to, yeah, right. They know it's there and they might see yours and go, Oh yeah, maybe I'll try that guys. But then there's no one there. So it's like, well, if no one's there, there's probably a reason why no one's there. Right. It's like yeah. one of those things. Like you kind of yeah. have to, yeah, you got to put in what you're going to get out of it. But, um, and I love your advice. I'm curious about your, your new song and, and where, well, where, where were you when COVID happened? Were you working on these new songs or but like, how did that affect the, the songs you've been putting out recently? Um, honestly, like it doesn't, it didn't really affect me all that much. I think just because 
um, yeah, it, it didn't affect my ability to make music. I, I have a studio that I work out of and it's a private studio. So um, I just continued working. I continued releasing music. Obviously the internet has been a, you know, has been a savior to artists in, in this climate with everything happening with COVID because if we were just relying upon live performances, we would have been screwed royally. Oh, sure. <laughs> right? So yeah. Um, yeah, that, you know, I think, I think the only thing that, um, possibly was impacted was just the amount of traveling, but, you know, I still did travel, but, you know, it was just the amount of traveling because obviously the advisories were constantly going, mm-hmm. you know, in and out constantly and things were always changing. Um, but yeah, it, it, it I mean, it, it slows things down, definitely slowed a couple things down in terms of just plan, make plan, plan making and stuff like that. But yeah, I just continued, I continued, um, making music and these new songs, um the new song do Be- do better mm-hmm. it's actually a year and a half old so it's not oh it's, wow yeah so it was made a year and a half ago and it was kind of part of a, a bolt of music that i've had um you know that that's constantly growing and and yeah my team and i just i in going through the records and trying to decide you know which records are going to be going on the next project and which one should be singles that was the one that we just felt like you know we we should go with we felt like it was really um it was really genre friendly. It was really age friendly, race friendly, just kind of just like demographically, um, kind of demographically like wide, like for suited for a wide audience. And so, and, and also just, you know, everybody just felt like it was a great record. So um, that's kind of how we decided on that. And yeah, that's awesome. It's a great song. I, I, I like the song a lot. I like the uh, artwork you have too. It's got that like pop, pop art sound like right. look to her she's like on the yeah. phone and right, right. do better yeah I, it's it's cool I, I really i really think it's cool um and you said you have other songs obviously so you have a bunch in the in the in the can ready to come out uh yeah definitely so um i'm gonna be releasing my next project this year for sure and before that um we're gonna release i think probably about two more singles before the Amazing. project change but uh yeah and then so we're planning for that right now. Um, yeah. That's exciting. That's so exciting. And I appreciate your time, Haley. It's been awesome. Um, circling back to what you're saying before, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah, I think, um, I think like you said, a lot was covered, but I just think <laughs> that, <laughs> I just think that is imperative to be yourself, to be authentic. And it's okay if you don't know what that is. I think that if you don't know what that is, then that just really means that you need to spend the time um, figuring out what that is and, um, don't rush it. You know, like we're living in an age now where age doesn't even matter anymore. You know, like there was this, there was this time back then where everybody felt like there was like a time limit, like, you know, to, to being successful. And it's crazy because I think streaming and just the way things are now, people just want to hear good music. They don't care who it's coming from, you know, like, like even, even just, um, there's a lot of barriers being broken in, in the way people look and, you know, whether they're marketable or not. Like there was all these restrictions on, on artists before, like you needed to look this way, you needed to sound this way, you needed to be this age. And a lot of that is kind of breaking down now. So there's no need to rush and be like, shit, if I don't make it in the next two years, I gotta quit and find something else. No, like if you love this, take your time and you will do yourself the biggest favor in just figuring out who you are and understand the business. And I think that for specifically artists um, in music, like rappers, singers, I think that it is so imperative to learn 
how to record yourself, even at the basic level, because it will save you a lot of money and it will in tremendously improve your creative process and just your ability to understand, you know, uh, the creative process even more so that, you know, when, when an engineer comes and mixes your song bad and you don't like it, you can tell them, I don't like this, you know, I don't like this part because you know what reverb is or what EQing is or what, what actually goes into mastering and mixing, you know, I think that it's just really important to know the business.